Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Welcome to the Clerical Errors Podcast. <laughs> well, I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> if that's funny, we're off to a rousing start. <laughs> I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. So, uh, join us on this beautiful summer day. At least it is while we're recording this. Uh, grab a beverage, um, have a listen, and uh, enjoy the show. Today, uh, Berg brought our beverage. I did. Uh, it's Shiner Texas Heat Wave because it's been incredibly hot here, and my vampire skin can't hardly handle it. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> the my, the uh, the albinism is kind of showing up. So, <laughs> well, I try to bring the urban flair. You you do. <laughs> So, um, we had three different uh, types to choose from today. Vicar has the cherry lemonade, or limeade. I've got the prickly pear, and which one do you have? I have the sea salt and lime. Oh, man. I'm kind of a, a sucker for the, 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 the lime and the, like the summer shandy. I kind of like that. Oh, one. nice, yeah. So, let's try it out. Well, let's do it one by one. You go first, Bert. Okay. Interesting. I, huh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. You sound Inter- a little prickly about this. Yes. I, I mean, I thought it would go with my personality, but uh, <laughs> it definitely doesn't go with my taste buds. So uh, it's interesting. So that's, so that's prickly pear. Prickly pear from Shiner. When I, when I was a small child, we had a prickly pear cactus in our front yard. Oh, nice. When we lived in Arizona. And I will go next because Vicar always goes last. <laughs> we can't, we have to, he's the app we don't want to spill on the electronics over there. So, um, that's not bad. Does it taste like sea salt and lime? Yeah, it doesn't. It has a little lime, but it's not. Doesn't have a real bright flavor. Oh, okay. So they need a little. It's kind of a, flat. A little more hops or something. Something. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Vicar. Vicar's got the You're cherry. Up. Cherry, cherry limeade. Yeah. This, this is a this is a podcast. <laughs> We're not here to watch you drink. <laughs> well, it, it's got a pick it up, man. We don't want to lose <laughs> listeners while you're. You're having your let's go. Yeah, no, definitely uh, cherry limeade and beer. Uh, so, you know, if you enjoy a cherry limeade from Sonic or whatever, this is probably the beer for you, I suppose. <laughs> All right. So, rousing <laughs> reviews, I guess, on uh, on the beer that I got. So, you know, let us know what you guys are drinking. Uh, where can they find us at? They can find us at. Clerical Airs P on Twitter. You can add us. You can find us on Facebook at Clerical Airs Podcast. You can find us. You can let us know on email at uh, feedback at clericalairs.org. And big announcement. If you've been on Facebook, you might have seen this. We've added a new way to, to be able to hear our podcast. And Peter hooked us up with Spotify. So we are now on Spotify. So. And I'm so glad that we have someone who knows technology and stuff. <laughs> so I, I uh, had an idea. You know, I'm 
trying to come up with, you know me, I'm always thinking. Indeed. Not always in beneficial ways, but I'm at least thinking. And, uh, you know, I think we should, every once in a while we should ded- dedicate our show to someone. Okay. And I was thinking, you know, there's one group that gets a lot of love right now, especially from the president. And that is, you know who gets a lot of love right now? First responders. Okay. Like if you're a president or you're a politician, you know, you, you talk about the brave first responders. Right. Yep. And do you know who doesn't get love? The second responders. The second responders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Who would the second responders be? Um, a cleanup crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's a, there's a lot of people who who come in to help the second round, you know. Okay. There's there's a second round of police officers. Someone's got to put the tape up, you know. The tape is important. Yeah, you have uh, you know people in a in a tragic situation who kind of make casseroles. <laughs> That's true. You know. So there's I want to I just think that. Uh, Okay, I'm going to say it. First responders get too much love. We need to remember the second and third responders. Right. Okay. I understand. <laughs> yes. This podcast is for you, second and third responders. So if you want to help, but you're not real fast at, at getting to where... You need to be? Yeah. Th- this show is for you. If you want to help, but uh, you know, you've got some things to do, you know... I guess that we could be mindful of the the Good Samaritan, right? He right. was actually a third responder. I know, <laughs> but he's the only one who came through. <laughs> right. He wasn't the quickest one there, but I mean, so so this is for you. So Berg, what are you preaching on? Okay, well, this coming Sunday is Pentecost, and so we hear readings from Joel and from especially Acts chapter 2 where the disciples are clothed with power from on high. Jesus calls calls it a baptism with the Holy Spirit in Acts mm-hmm. chapter 1. And so I'm talking about this phenomenon, this historical phenomenon that we know as Pentecost. Where does it happen? Uh, um, what sort of signs go along with it? Um, because there are a lot of groups that like to talk about spiritual gifts and the ongoing importance of Pentecost in the life of the church. And what they mean by that is speaking in tongues, uh, miraculous healings, like your buddy Benny Hinn. Why, why, why is he my buddy? <laughs> well, you know. Because, yeah. I'm everybody's pal. You are everybody's pal. You are a nice guy. Um, but anyway, so... You know, I have a theory that uh, actually Lutherans are Pentecostal. Vicar's nervous. <laughs> Because uh, if you look at what Peter did, what did he do? He preached a sermon on Pentecost based on the prophet Joel. Joel. He preached a sermon of law and gospel. This Jesus you crucified, but God raised him up. He led them to be baptized. Right. And, uh, and so really, you could get carried away with the form, the speaking in tongues and all those things. When ultimately, what did he do? He preached the word of God. He directed them to be baptized, and then those believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper, Supper, right, and to prayer. 
which is what happens on Sunday morning. So you could get really caught up in the speaking in tongues that people heard in their own language, which is great, which is wonderful. Vicar points out in his sermon tomorrow how it is the opposite of what happened at uh, at Babel. Right. And it's a sign that the end is coming. It's a sign that the apostles do have the true word of God, mm-hmm. but it all ends with them. Like if you look in the book of Acts, uh, none of these spiritual gifts are given apart from the apostles. That's why when they go in Acts chapter 8 to Samaria, they lay their hands on men, and that's when they get spiritual gifts. Well, now we don't have any apostles anymore, right? And so all of these charismatic gifts have really ended. They've died out. But was that the most important thing? Well, let's go back to uh, the prophet Joel. The prophet Joel says, and he who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm -hmm. That's the point. That's the point. It's not the form. It's not the... The speaking in tongues, not the the ecstatic uh, emotion that people equate with that day, which really wasn't. It was more about the word of God, the preaching and the hearing of that word. So if you want to be a true Pentecostal, come to Lutheranism. That's right. That is the key. So uh, shall we move on? Let's. And remember, second and third responders. This show, is, this show is dedicated to you. This brings us to our top 12. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right. I'll, I'll admit something. This was actually the fastest top 12 I've ever put together. Did you do it before I came? Uh, yeah. <laughs> actually got this top 12 list done probably in about under 10 minutes. Wow. Which probably says something about my personality because it is my top 12 sermon pet peeves. Okay. <laughs> and, and I was able to was find... Vickers, was Vicker's sermon really that bad this, this time? Or? That's how he did it so fast. He just read the first three paragraphs. So, so uh, well, one thing is... I do a lot of evaluating of sermons because the vicar doesn't preach until I've read it, it and usually hopefully have some helpful advice and and make it an even better sermon. Glass half full. Um, and uh, and uh, I, I listen to a lot of sermons. And me by me saying this, I want to say something, and that is preaching is very hard. Yes. It is a very hard skill. To, it's one of those things where a lot of people, I think, think that they could do it, and probably a lot of people could do it, but very few could do it well. <laughs> it's kind of like that seven-year-old boy who believes in the church, right? You know? it's It seems like it's really, really easy, mm-hmm. and then you get into it, and you're like, man, I comp- I've been preaching now for like almost six years, and it's like, yeah, I still suck. <laughs> Do you know what's weird? I've been preaching for over half my life now. Holy buckets. That's weird. That's awesome. Because I'm 46. I've Well, I was a pastor, called pastor at 24. So yeah, that's right. You, you were I really was a young. young one. <laughs> I was a young one. And and uh, every vicar comes in, and, uh, and they get very fr- – about halfway through, they get really frustrated because – because uh, by now they think, I should have this down. This sermon isn't the way I want it. There's something wrong. And, and they get very frustrated because 
you know, I've been at this for six months and it's still so hard. And I'm, well, yeah, it'll, it'll keep getting that way. <laughs> That's not going to stop. It's when uh, it gets easy. I think that's, sometimes that's when there's a problem, more right? Than likely, no doubt. Some of those sermons just they fl- they write themselves almost. Yeah, you know. But if it ever gets that easy, then either you're probably not being very timely, or a lot of it's rote, mm-hmm. and you're maybe not getting to where you should be. That's why I have this this thing that because uh i by by nature i have i always find the easiest way to do things <laughs> okay so one thing i do is is when i preach i handwrite my sermons and then when i'm done preaching that sermon it goes in a pile unfiled i can't go back and read my old sermons i it, without it would take me enough time to actually find a sermon than it would write a sermon than we would find a sermon that I'm preaching on. Right. So so it forces me each time I do a sermon that it's it has to be brand new and I can't just fall back on an old version. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I you know what I've preached on before doesn't come to mind. Right. But uh, it always I always have to take then a fresh approach in the in the preaching and I can't just kind of go back to the recycle. barrel and recycle it. Um, but uh, and me saying this, I, you know, I've been where I'm preaching now for 17 years, and I imagine I have some quirks and I have some things that probably are not always the best, and that's part of uh, getting better and stronger and and trying to be a better preacher. So who who watches the the Bullhagen? You know who uh, who who cr- critiques his sermons? Well, I do. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know. But, you know, we also have what we call Winkle, mm-hmm. right? Winkle just is the German word, which means corner. And what it means is uh, a pastor's meeting. We get together and we listen to one another preach. And we help one another. And we encourage one another. And sometimes we critique one another. Mm-hmm. And it's out of a love for the truth and a love for the word of God. Right. So it's, you know, no pastor is an island unto himself, which is a wonderful thing about being in the ministry. And in a way, for me, as far as that's one thing I like about having vicars is, is it you always have to since you're teaching it as well. If you say this is why your sermon needs help, this area, this area, and this area. Well, if I'm not watching my own preaching, hmm. you know, right? Then it it's not going to come across very well. Moat beam, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is my top twelve sermon. Pet peeves. Number 12. Wordiness. Now, Vicar can attest to this because, um, you know, this this current Vicar gets frustrated when he hands in a sermon. Probably half the time I said, okay, this is good. You don't need your two paragraphs of introduction. Just start without that. Mm-hmm. Or I'll ask, well, what does this really add? Because there's some, you know, when I listen, you only have a certain amount of opport- time to preach. Yeah, You know, the average person in the pew is like me. We got short attention spans. And so you have to be clear. And every word, every sentence has to be there for a reason. And, yep. I, and, uh, and so wordiness where something could be said 
in a short, simple way, rather than roundabout ways with empty words and phrases that don't really add anything or mean anything, that just bothers me. Like incarnational? <laughs> I've always hated that. Sacramental, too. Oh, grody. Okay, that brings me to number 11, actually. Number 11. Words that use Christian jargon without any kind of yes. explanation. Ah, I love it. See, we're on the same wavelength. Where, where you know, a pastor might study it so much that they forget, okay, people don't really understand this. And it doesn't really have the same connection with the people hearing the sermons than it does with the person actually preaching it. And it winds up, in a way, becoming a lazy way of putting an idea out there that doesn't really mean for the congregation what you think it might mean. And it just just throws words out there without any kind of explanation. You used, uh, what were the ones you just mentioned before yeah. I even said this one? Incarnational and sacramental. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what those mean. <laughs> I think, you know, it's like, uh, what's his face from Princess Bride says? That word you keep saying. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> Yeah, and so and so, uh, I think a lot of times, you know, we can tend to throw those words out. Well, and I think that's even true of actually biblical words, mm-hmm. things like grace and justification. These are really important biblical words, and we, we need to know what they mean, and so we have to teach what these words mean. Mm-hmm. Grace is not a space. That's lame. Grace <laughs> is the unmerited favor of God. Right. And so what I tend to do, for example, if I'm talking about the Lord's Supper, I'll, I'll say something like, so when Jesus gives you his body to eat, and, right. and I'll, I'll, I'll just make sure there's, there's clarification that I'm not just using jargon and, and empty words and phrases that... And if you listen to sermons, because I'm sensitive to this, you hear them all the time. And I try and watch. I, I pro- I'm probably just as guilty as everyone else out there. And, I, you know, I watch myself for that. But just throwing words out there that you just kind of assume, which are long, but they aren't really helpful unless you really talk about it. So, Right. Number 10. Trying too hard to relate. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. So, for example, um, in some churches, there's the the habit of not using a pulpit because somehow if you stand and kind of wander around... Yeah, if you're in close proximity to the people, then that means like, oh, you're really one of them. Right, right. Um, I was mm. talking to... My favorite is I went to a wedding down in Texas. It was so <laughs> lame. And... Uh, <laughs> The, the 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 things that this pastor was was saying to the couple, like about them, you know, uh, doubting, and it was like completely. He obviously didn't know these people because it was never any, you know, the like it was like doubting in your job or not doing the best job that you could, like getting kind of lazy almost. It's like, dude, you're talking to a PhD student and a nurse who would get. Not just fired, but actually have like, you know, <laughs> face criminal charges. If he's like, well, if that bandage isn't completely right, it's you know, it's like, what are you doing? 
<laughs> so, well, I had a, a family uh, wedding I went to where where one of the readings was uh, from uh, Dr. Seuss. And I've been told the actual pronunciation is Dr. Seuss. I don't know if that's true or not, but but uh, and he that was now we read from the Gospel of Seuss. And guess what was the sermon text? No. Yeah. No. Come on. Yeah. Ah. And then they had communion. <laughs> uh, oh, the places you'll go. <laughs> yeah, that could have a double meeting there. Yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> All right. But but what happens is is when you try too hard to relate, where where it's uh, it becomes where you're trying to sell it in a way that becomes unnatural and winds up doing the opposite. Yeah, I mean, if you're not interested in baseball, don't preach on baseball. If you don't know anything about football, don't preach on football. People see through that. I know pastors who have preached on uh, farming, and they know nothing <laughs> about farming, and people see through that. It's just be yourself. <laughs> And use the knowledge that you have. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, 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 that's, it. that's it. Just the main thing is to be yourself. And, and, and that really goes a long way. Number nine. Pandering to the congregation about the big bad world out there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where... This is so easy today, too. Right. Right. So where you, you know... Where uh, you allow the person sitting in the pew to uh, feel very comfortable with themselves because and very superior, because, right? Because man, they, I'm the, not like this world. The world is very evil. Well, yes, it is. Okay, but you know the person in the pew is part of the problem, right? <laughs> and it, it it allows it. You know, one, it it comes off in a way that. That if you're not if not within the church, where and if you happen to happen to stumble in, where it comes across as as the opposite of us proclaiming that we're poor miserable sinners, right? It and, turns the church into a country club for saints, right? And that's not what it is. And, and I think a lot of times it, it's done so that you know to build up. A support within the congregation, you know. Yeah, because everybody can get behind, oh, yeah, rah, 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 you know, the world is terrible, when really they should be looking at their own hearts. And, and I can say this from experience and talking with various members, and that is what happens is, too, that winds up because the word, the big bad world out there is something that everyone struggles with in the pews, too, of various types of sins. And what happens is this is uh, the people who might struggle with those sins, they feel as though, okay, and I've been told this. I've been, where, okay, so, yeah, you all people who don't struggle with any of these kind of sins, you must look down on me because I do struggle with certain temptations. And and what it winds up happening is just because it, it makes that person feel as though, okay, this gospel, this word is maybe not for me. I'm one of those people who he's talking about and everyone else can feel superior to me. Right. Which is not the point. So Number eight. Talk about forgiveness without proclaiming forgiveness. Okay. 
you don't seem to be as strong about that one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's true. I I think there's an important thing there. Um, I guess I've seen it too far the other way, where people will say that the Declaration of Grace mm-hmm. isn't actually absolution. Okay. So the Declaration of Grace, for those who are listening, is uh, one part of our liturgy where the pastor says, um, oh, Vicar, can you get me a hymnal? Oh, there's a hymnal. Where, well, it's just like it sounds. It You declare it, right? And you talk about it, that Christ has forgiven all your sins. So um, let's see here. Um, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all our sins. Okay? Um, and then the other one is um, uh, the operative indicative, which means that we actually forgive sins, right? Where I, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The thing is, is that a declaration of the gospel is still the gospel. Right. You know, and that's my only point. That's why I get a little, but you're right in the fact that if all you're doing is talking about Christianity in, right. a, in a place where it doesn't actually connect, like, right. and this isn't, you know, uh, yeah, I understand. I've just, I've just seen it the other way. The other too, way around. So, you know, part of that is my own experience too. So you've probably seen it plenty of times where <laughs> they, uh, they talk about it. Mm-hmm. As if it's a lecture, right? Or as if Christianity were some sort of dissected animal sitting out on the on the table, <laughs> right? Rather than something that's alive, right? And so, no, I sorry, I'm I'm just talking through my all right, my uh, whatever. That's so. all right. <laughs> Number seven, the overuse of talking about yourself. Oh well, I just failed in that one on my last one. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is not. This is not uh, top 12 list pet peeves. This is preachings. There's a difference. <laughs> and and that is, that. what I mean by that is uh, there can be a tendency sometimes in a sermon to, to make it seem as though your life is way more interesting than everybody else's. Kind of like preaching can end up like Facebook a lot. Yeah. Right? Where you try to make your own life seem so much better. And it's... You know, really not. Or, heaven forbid, you use your family as a... Right. You know, Vicar, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> What's What does uh, uh, Dr. Fikentcher say about that? Uh, what, never, 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 no, not ever use your family in a, as the sermon illustration. Right. That's probably not a good idea. Right. Because then you drag people who aren't... They didn't sign up for that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And uh, he had the sermon outline on the PowerPoint while he was preaching. And he was preaching on Philippians chapter 2, talking about how Jesus emptied himself, became a servant. Right. And so he really was going on that phrase. And and so like a highlight, the sermon with big part, and he's referring to his outline. And he goes, so we too must also empty ourselves, and he pointed at the screen, of number two. (laughs) (laughs) This didn't really happen, did it? Yes. No way. Yes. But (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and this is the, the part that you'll think is funny, okay? Was was ever everyone was diligently looking at the PowerPoint, and I was the only one that was childish enough to Snicker. see the humor in it. Yeah. One I, getting elbowed. I'm so glad, like, we don't have any technology here <laughs> for stuff like that. Give me a good old hymnal. <laughs> I also uh, am reminded of uh, one time a, a pastor uh, was going to use a, a movie clip um, for a sermon illustration. Okay. And uh, he didn't preview the movie clip, and he had forgotten that there was quite a bit of bad language within the movie. Oh. 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 So you don't want that. No. Vicar, don't do that. Okay? Number six. I guess I kind of covered this now that I look at it. So I'm going to I'm gonna scratch this one. It says overuse of words and phrases, which is kind of like I, the jargon. I think that's something a little different. Um, well, like, for example, if your vicar has a tick, mm-hmm. uh, he, well, and I just did it, uh, um, t- uh, right? You know, yeah. I, we, all, we all have these things. Mm-hmm. And because we don't, oftentimes take the time to think through and so our mouths keep moving when our thoughts are right. trying to catch up and so i, I it's distracting mhm so well there've been times vicar where i've actually said you know you're kind of using this word a lot or something like that yep so number 5 guess what we skipped number 5 this time oh well number 4 under preparation yes where, you know, you could tell maybe there's been a busy week and, you know. Yeah, and that's I mean, really sad because preaching is the highest thing that we do. It's actually called the Predigtamt. The preaching which is, office. Which is German for the preaching office, right? It is the highest thing that we do, and so we should be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And... A pastor fails when he doesn't. And uh, is, is this something that I've probably I've been guilty of? Yes. By me, I want I, I, by me by me making the list here. I don't want to you to think it as though you know I am you don't I am the great judge of all preaching. These are just my pet peeves, and and uh, and if you're if you're a pastor listening, maybe you could use that helpful to think about some of these things, but. You know, but also, if you're not a pastor, to think about the sermon and to be encouragement to your pastor in his preaching. Right. So, number three, performance preaching. Oh, you'll have to explain this one a little bit more. Okay. When the sermon is kind of viewed like an like a monologue in a play. Okay. So, affectation and... Right. Fakiness, really. Right. Where it, it's, uh, for example, do you ever hear a, a pastor preach where he, he's got a normal talking voice and then he preaches, hey, all of a sudden I have an English accent. <laughs> no, I can't I've say. heard that before. I can't I say. have. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you're from Arkansas. <laughs> uh, well, and I, I will see some, some pastors do this. I've seen it on different videos that they've put out and the way that they talk normally is really different than how they show mm-hmm. up on, on the video. Yeah. And, and it's like, guys, 
just be just be normal. And 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 you know, for example, too, they'll be okay. I'm supposed to have these kind of hand motions, or should it's like yeah, yeah. It's preaching. It's not a performance. It's not a show. Right. It right. doesn't mean that you you should delivery is important, but it's not a an a. A performance of a sermon. It's a preaching right. of a sermon. See, and that's the thing. Performances are by nature a lie. They are. You are pretending to be somebody else. And when you do this in the pulpit, even though you're speaking the truth, just by the way, it's very, to use a millennial word because I'm a millennial. <laughs> I mean, it's inauthentic, right? It's fake. It's a lie in a sense. Mm-hmm. And that has no place in the house of God. And it, and and I think sometimes it could come come across that way. Yeah. So. Well, and that's actually truly what the word hypocrite means. To be a hypocrite is to be one who wears a mask. Mhm. Um and that the outside doesn't match the inside. Right. So. All right, that brings us to number 1. Well, really, it brings us to number two, but we also skipped number two. Goodness, this is the last time I let them record without me. And number one. Sermon illustrations that have no point. <laughs> kind of like from the movie Airplane, right? <laughs> right. Tra- tra- no, um, planes, trains, and automobiles. If you're going to tell a story, have a point. <laughs> it makes it so much more interesting for someone to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even even the good sermon illustrations get a little dangerous because mm-hmm. people go away and be like, man, that was such a great illustration. I don't know what the point was, but boy, that was a great illustration. <laughs> I actually don't use them that much. Vicar, I don't use them very often, do I? No, uh-uh, not really. And, you know, there's a place for them, but... Right. You know... I it, always think using examples from the Bible, if you're going to use an illustration, use one from the Bible. Like if you want to talk about uh, anger or lust or covetousness or some of those other things, or even chastity and forbearance. You know, I I knew someone who had, it was a computer program. This is true. It was a computer program. Well, you know a lot of weird people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're in the club, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Welcome to the club. Um where you, you the computer program you type in a verse of the bible and it'll spew out sermon illustrations what yeah it's a thing really yeah uh. and and uh and uh what you could do is what i and i've maybe you've heard a sermon like this you can count, if you've heard a sermon like this i bet you they have the program okay where they have about five or six sermon illustrations and then what they do is they tie together each of the illustrations and boom, your sermon's done. That's despicable. Ah. <laughs> oh, this can't be real. Um real talk, man. Uh, it's no wonder nobody wants to go to church. <laughs> if that's the case. So, there we go. Boy, We've... that was a downer, man. Number one was a real downer. I mean, ah. <laughs> oh. Well, do you know that, what, though? That's almost like news that bothers Berg. Well, actually, I will counteract that because my news that bothers Berg today 
is actually a happy one. So. Oh, okay. Phew. All right. But we need to keep this moving, so. So, all right. We're going on to Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies. Peter, play the intro. Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damn delusions by repackaging them for modern consumption. In short, Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. So our bodacious blasphemy for today has to do with a heresy called majorism. This was the teaching of Georg Mayer, a German theologian who believed that good works being a necessary product of Christian faith, was necessary. they were necessary for salvation. Okay? Mm-hmm. So basically, God gets you into salvation. You just have to keep yourself there by good works. Okay. Okay? So... Kind of keep your hands in, 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 in the ride at all times? Exactly. <laughs> That's... Yeah. Well, I was just at Valley Fair, so I, I saw a, a lot good, of that. Uh, good illustration. Indeed. Remember that one, people. All right, so here we go. Do you believe that good works are necessary for salvation? Or do you believe that good works are necessary not to obtain salvation, but in order to retain salvation? That the Holy Spirit gets you started, but then you have to finish by doing good works? If so, then majorism might be for you. Majorism is is the teaching of Georg Mayer, a Lutheran theologian. During the tyrannical occupation of the Papists in the Leipzig interim, Mayer sought to defend Lutherans who were accused of denying good works. However, Major went overboard and used language which denied faith alone and was wholly unscriptural. If you believe that good works are necessary for the preservation of faith, you join a group of luminaries like the Semi-Pelagians, also known as Synergists. They believe that God did his part, and now you have to do the rest. Even if God did 99%, you still have your 1% to do. This thinking, while good intentioned, robs Christ of his glory and leads to work-mongering. This teaching contradicts Romans 4.6, which says David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. This teaching also contradicts Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. If salvation rests on two factors, on God's work of grace and then our obedience, then we will no longer look to the gospel for comfort and consolation, but to our works. The preservation of faith doesn't rely on works. It relies on God's mercy and grace. Faith doesn't rely on good works. Good works rely on faith. They are the effect, the fruit, and the consequence of faith. No doubt, good works have their place. They assure the Christian of their faith and their state of grace. Good works serve their neighbor. The grace of God is what creates and keeps us in the faith, beginning, middle, and end. As St. Paul writes in Philippians 1.6, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. All right. Very good, Berg. So I think one of the things here that people have a hard time understanding, especially in our day, is the first thing that uh, Georg Major was contending against, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't believe that evil works destroy faith. That if you sin and do things intentionally, 
you can actually lose faith and drive out the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And some of those texts that teach this are like 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and following, Galatians 5, 21, Ephesians 5, 5, Romans 8, 13, Colossians 3, 6, and Ephesians 4, 30. Okay? So if you intentionally sin, you can sear your conscience, grieve the Holy Spirit, and drive out faith. Mm -hmm. Which is why uh, if you are cohabitating, if, mm -hmm. if a man and a woman are cohabitating apart from the God's gift of marriage, uh, we will come and talk to you. Your pastor should come and talk to you because you're in danger. Because you're in danger of actually destroying your faith. It's the th same thing with sins of alcoholism, mm -hmm. right? Or drunkenness or of um, uh, anger and the like, right? Mm -hmm. We are going to address these things because we're concerned for your soul. We're concerned for faith. However, Major took it to the extreme, and he said, well, if evil works destroy faith, then on the a converse, good works then sustain it. Then sustain it. And that is not a logical argument. It's actually a fallacy. Now, now I, I think, you know, I think sometimes... From a practical point of view, we almost think this way in the sense that, well, you you want to sustain your faith and come to church and hear the word. Well, which is Christ. Not, which is, yeah. And that's the thing. Is coming to church a good work? In a secondary sense, yeah. Is hearing the word a good work? In a secondary sense, yeah. But why do you come to church to hear the gospel? to hear the comfort and the good news that you have a gracious God on account of the merits of Christ. This is why I think I believe that the, the teaching of grace and salvation by grace truly is what leads Christians to actually love God and love neighbors. And it's this, this, this point. You know, if you do good works so that you will be saved, why are you doing good works? For whose sake? You're doing them for... Yourself. Yourself, right. Right. So, so you know, if you, I'm supposed to love my neighbor so so God is happy with me, you're loving your neighbor not for your neighbor's sake. You're loving your neighbor for your, your sake. own sake. And by doing the law, you actually transgress the law. Yeah. Which is, you know, because what is the law of God? Love God above all things and, and love your neighbor as yourself. yourself. If you're using your neighbor as a means to an end, then you are not loving your neighbor. You're loving yourself. Right. And it, and it really is ultimately self-love. Right. And that is the beautiful thing about what Christ did on the cross and in his resurrection, is that uh, you are free. Heaven and earth is yours. Everything is yours. Christ has given you all things. You are completely free. You are free to love and serve your neighbor without any thought of yourself because it's all yours now. And that is a wonderful comfort and consolation. And majorism turns that around a little bit. Right. It, it maybe starts you off in grace, but just like the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church during the time of Luther, right? Faith formed by love, right? Mm -hmm. God gives you your little shot of grace to get going, but then ultimately 
it's up to you. It's up to and, you to form that faith with love. And that, that was one of the biggest things that Martin Luther confronted because people thought, I'm going to show my love for God by becoming a monk and taking a vow of silence and locking myself in a room and praying to him all the time. And that wasn't really loving God. That was loving yourself so that you can, you know, have less time in purgatory. Right. And the thing is, is that a lot of those guys, a lot of the monks, they were well-intentioned. They actually, they wanted to serve God. But unfortunately, they looked in all the wrong places. They didn't look at the law of God, which tells us to love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. They didn't look at the law of God, which tells us to love God. And so they forsook their families. I mean, wasn't that what Luther's dad told him when mm -hmm. he was like, ah, oh, aren't you so glad you have a son who's a monk? I can pray for you all the time and sacrifice mass on your behalf. And what did, what did John say? Well, haven't you ever heard the fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. <laughs> and I, so that's the thing is that God has freed us from the condemnation of the law, but he's also created us. This is sanctification. He's created us for good works. And we know those good works because he's revealed to them, he, he's revealed them to us in the Ten Commandments. And so we don't ever have to guess what God wants. He's already laid it out for us. And these good works are wonderful. We get to serve God. And not only that, but these good works also assure us that we are Christians, mm -hmm. right? Good works serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. And so if you're a majorist, stop it. There you go. All right. That brings us to our Bible study for the concentrationally, I can never get this right. <laughs> for the concentrationally impaired. Peter, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. All right, so we are on Obadiah, verse 12, which reads as follows. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. This actually goes well with your top 12. Mm-hmm. Right? About the world being... Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm laughing because I zoned out. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, boy. It was just one verse, man. One. One. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, uh, you talked in your, in your, uh, in your top 12 about... Uh, feeling superior to the world because, well, the world's so bad and uh, and we're so good. And what are the, the th this is a perfect example of what um, the Edomites and are, are acting towards the Israelites, right? They're two different people, and yet the Edomites are gloating over the misfortune of the Israelites. And sometimes in the church, we do the same thing. Mm -hmm. We see um, the bad guys get their comeuppance, Right. Right. And then we gloat. And ah, they had it coming to them. And yet here God actually warns us against doing that. That when he says pray for our enemies, he actually means it. Right. And I, I think that's, we live in such a gotcha culture, don't we? Where, yes. Yep. Where, uh, I'm just thinking of the uh, uh, TV show uh, Parks and Rec, where they've got the gotcha girls. <laughs> 
and that whole TV show about um, gotcha journalism. So, right, like uh, it seems like we even live in a culture that uh, they don't really care. For example, if people are racist, they just want to catch you saying something that seems or is deemed inappropriate. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's a you know, and they go back like. 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's no covering over of sin at all. Like, you know, love covers a multitude of sins, but rather than, like, Japheth and, and Shem covering their dad mm-hmm. when he obviously commits the sin of drunkenness, uh, it's like being like Ham and throwing back the, you know, the blanket and being like, ha-ha. Yeah. Yeah, and... and, and uh go back to what we talked about earlier about what it means to love you not to say i got you you know ha 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 right but uh that see to me that that attitude is such a pervasive anti-christian thought that we all fell guilty of right you know you know i i like uh i have the i like watching youtube videos where people like trip and hurt themselves <laughs> I'm I'm guilty. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And that's the thing is that why are there such harsh punishments on on the Edomites? This is part of their problem. Not only did they participate in harming the Israelites, but now they gloat over it. Mhm. And they gloat over God's people. Yeah. All right. That uh that's enough. That's all I can handle. Indeed. <laughs> That could bring... barely, you could barely handle that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to news that bothers Berg. Peter, play the intro. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. Well, I wanted to have a positive story. I wanted to have a, a story because... Didn't Har- didn't Paul Harvey try to do this back in the old days, where he would have like positive news? Yeah, <laughs> I wanted I wanted because uh, this is our last major segment, you know. Right. And I wanted to end it with a for you and also for our second and third responders. I wanted to have a story that helps people feel good. Okay. All right. Nice. So this is story is from a uh, Veronica Neffinger. Neffinger? Yeah. It's How do you uh, spell that? Uh, uh, N-E-F and then finger. Oh, so kind of like it sounds. Yes. Interesting. And the title of the story is, Lions reportedly save pastor and his friends from attack by Islamic extremists. Whoa. <laughs> Interesting. So a pastor who is ministering in the Middle East was reportedly saved by lions who prevented a group of Islamic extremists from attacking him and a group of Christians. <laughs> how, how? So before the, the attack, when the lions saved him, Pastor Paul had been attacked by another group of Islamic extremists. He had escaped and was recovering at home from Oh, the home of a former Muslim who was a Christian convert. The man's home was near a forest. As he led worship services there on Easter Sunday, uh, and a group was gathered, uh, militants came 
upon them brandishing their weapons. By the way, uh, just a question. Is there anything you brandish outside of weapons? <laughs> mm, I'll find something. Okay. Seems like we only brandish weapons. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to start, I'm going to brandish my spoon. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we had no idea what to do, the pastor said. The, all the Christians there thought they were going to die. Just then, a lion appeared out of the forest and began to attack one of the militants. Wow. And when they tried to fight the lion off, two more lions appeared and they ran away in fear. Wow, thanks be to God. I know this probably seems like it contradicts what we talked about before, but it it there's a God does use nature mm-hmm. in order to defend his <laughs> his church, and that's wonderful. Just just like he saved all of you listeners from our last episode with tornado warnings. <laughs> in, indeed, it, w- it was it was pretty awful. I'm glad that's in in the lost file. But may I, I think Peter will be bringing out snippets here and there. Oh boy! So, but no, that's cool. I mean, you you look at uh, Elisha, right? And when these when these young people are calling him names, and not just him, but they're actually mocking God because he is God's prophet. Uh, two she bears come out and maul them. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, same thing with Daniel. The angel closed the lion's mouth. And kept him safe, and yet for the counselors who evilly plotted his death, um, they jump up and crush their bones and all that stuff. I think the the problem I think that we would run into is we don't want people counting on that, right? I, you know, putting God to the test. Don't worry, the lions will come and save me, right? You know, it's yeah, it's well, and that's why to really read those accounts like. The three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm-hmm. or if you're a Hebrewist like I am, you know, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be on the test, Vicar. That'll be on the test. Uh, the, uh, the whole point is, is that what do they say to Nebuchadnezzar, right? Our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship your idols. Mm-hmm. That they go in with a confident faith that God can save them. He might not, but but if he doesn't, uh, they're still willing to lay down their lives for his truth mm-hmm. and for the forgiveness that he so graciously offers them. So that's the thing. If you want to be, well, if you want to know what the nature of faith is and how it works, read, read uh, what is it, Daniel 4, mm-hmm. Vicar? Hey, Vicar, what, uh, what is the... Uh, what chapter of Daniel is uh, the, the, the fiery furnace? The fiery furnace may be found in Daniel chapter, looks like Daniel chapter 3. All right. Ooh, close. All right. So. Um, Run for confound the clerics confound now. Confound the clerics. Confound the clerics. We have a question here that asks, about let me fire it up here the question is what is the purpose and meaning of the blanket that goes on the casket at a funeral uh and we would call it a funeral paul yeah p-a-l-l 
Mm -hmm. So if you want to go online and look up pictures of a funeral, Paul, you're more than welcome to. So um, there's a Bible passage that uh, is often used with that, and that is from Romans chapter 6. Vicar, if you want to fire that up. All right, yep, uh, like starting at the three, 3 and 4, is that what you've got in mind? Yes. All right, so Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so... One reason why we have a funeral pall is to show that the person uh, who has died is covered by the bap- through baptism with, with Jesus. And uh, there's a beautiful passage, I think, that also that reflects this, and it is from Revelation chapter 7, where it talks about the, the redeemed. And it says, uh, The elders approached me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So we have a funeral pall here, and it's white, and it's a covering of that to show that uh, the person is covered with Jesus. And there's something that I found. I've had ours for, oh, I would say close to 10 years now. Is is Over time, what it's done is, is because we use it every funeral. It's uh, it, it comes across because we, with every funeral, how how that child of God has joined that glorious band. That they're they're all the same. They're all part of the same heavenly, heavenly, um, gathering. Right. That there's no distinction. Right. It doesn't matter how expensive your casket was, or uh, what the difference was, or what they look like but that it's the same Paul, Mm -hmm. right? It's the same righteousness that covers men. And it's the only way that men are saved. And women. Well, men (laughs) in the sense of of mankind. mankind, That's one of my pet peeves. All right. So so, uh, another thing, too, is, is this, is when you see a casket, what do you think about? You think about death, right? I I think of potential bookshelves, but go on. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, um, every time you look at a funeral pall, ours is white. It's got uh, um, flowers on it, the flowers that represent the resurrection. And it's got a cross that covers the whole thing. And so it, it's kind of like um, uh, a wedding dress. You know, this is your heavenly robe to remind you. When you see it, you cannot think but being covered of the resurrection, the cross, how Jesus died for the sins of that child of God, and and uh, it all those things are right there in front of you in the funeral service with that funeral pall. Death is swallowed up in victory. Yep. And so, good question, uh, Vicar. If they have any questions, what can they do? Well, they can uh, get a hold of us on our Facebook page, Clerical Errors Podcast. They can add us on Twitter at Clerical Errors P for podcast. Or they can email us at questions at clericalerrors.org. All right. Has anybody actually used the Twitter thing yet? 
Uh, I think we have a couple of followers. <laughs> hey, Twitter followers, if you're out there, can you like tweet us or something, just to let us know that you're not robots? That's that's right. Please. You know, please. We're asking you. Don't do it for us. Do it for the second and third responders. Indeed. We've devoted this show to them. Okay. I think I'm done. <laughs> All right. So since we're done, uh, what what remains? <laughs> the sticky notes. Remember this? So I, I uh, had an idea. You know, I'm, you know me. I'm always thinking. You know, I think we should, every once in a while we should dedicate our show to someone. There's one group that gets a lot of love right now, especially from the president, and that is first responders. And do you know who doesn't get love? The second responders. The second responders. <laughs> <laughs> who would the second responders be? Um, a cleanup crew. <laughs> there's there's a second round of police officers. Someone's got to put the tape up. People in a, in a tragic situation who kind of make casseroles. Okay, I'm going to say it. First responders get too much love. We need to remember the second and third responders. Right. Okay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yes. If you want to help, but, uh, you know, you've got some things to do. So if you want to help, but you're not real fast at getting to where you need to be, th- this show is for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little affected, I think. Was that too much? That little... <laughs> Have we done anything in this podcast been that funny? Anything that's been that funny. <coughs> one thing. Have we done one thing that's been that funny? I don't know. And I just did a top 12 list. I'm throwing my papers around now. I just did a top 12 list about being real and genuine. Well, a top 10, really. We have no self-awareness in this podcast. That is one of our grave errors. No self-awareness whatsoever. Oh, well. But this was funny. <laughs> my favorite is I went to a wedding. The things that this pastor was was saying to the couple, he obviously didn't know these people. It was like doubting in your job or not doing the best job that you could, like getting kind of lazy almost. It's like, dude, you're talking to a PhD student and a nurse who would get not just fired, but actually have like, you know, face criminal charges if he's like, well, if that bandage isn't completely right, it's, you know, it's like... What are you doing? <laughs> well, I had a, a family uh, wedding I went to where where one of the readings was uh, from uh, Dr. Seuss. Now we read from the Gospel of Seuss. And guess what was the sermon text? No. Yeah. No. Come on. Yeah. Oh. And then they had communion. Oh, the places you'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. So, thank you for listening to us. I'm Berg. I'm Bullhagen, and Vicar's there somewhere. Hi, I'm waving at the microphone. And thanks for all the fish. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts questions thoughts concerns you can contact us on facebook at facebook.com slash clerical heirs podcast on twitter at clerical heirs p for podcast or email us at feedback at clerical heirs.org 
Thanks for listening to Claire Glares. See you next time.